Since Star Wars The Force Awakens is still in theaters, the first few minutes of this episode will be spoiler-free. We want to remind you to support Are You Just Watching at patreon.com, Are You Just Watching, and thank you to our supporters, Craig Hardy and Tim Martin. Are you just watching episode 54, Star Wars The Force Awakens? That's episode 7, which we get a lot of episode numbers there. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast that shares critical thinking for the entertained Christian. I'm Eve Franklin. I'm Tim Martin. And boy, I tell you, I don't even know how much we can talk about this movie without spoiling it. So this might be like the historically fastest no spoiler zone. No kidding. <laughs> And, and, you know, I managed to make it uh, – you and I saw it on the same day, uh, mm-hmm. Sunday. I managed to make it the entire way without actually getting any spoilers, and I was really proud of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, of course, the- I, I didn't touch Facebook. I didn't mm-hmm. – oh, no, wait. I, I really did. But I was very impressed that, that people didn't Post run a lot in of them. Yeah. blurt out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, um, it's one of those movies that I think everybody's wanting to see. And I've seen tons of like, please don't spoil it on Facebooks from a lot of people. And That's the funniest one I saw was um, Harrison Ford standing be- behind his uh, actor's chair on set, mm-hmm. holding a sign that says, uh, don't spoil Star Wars or I'll give your friend permission to shoot first. <laughs> yeah, I saw some Yoda ones that were kind of cute. <laughs> but... Yeah, it's uh, it's just one of those movies that nobody wants it spoiled, and um, so it's going to be really hard to talk about it from a spoiler-free um, aspect. Um, basically, I know I can tell you that the score is by John Williams once again. It wouldn't be Star Wars without a John Williams score. That's for sure. <laughs> And uh, it it opens in the very classic way, which makes it Star Wars. The screen crawl reappears. The screen, mm, the screen crawl reappears. And um, I just, you know, it, it, it was a good movie. It was clean. Obviously, there was lots of violence because it's Star Wars and there's <laughs> action violence se- scenes. But it is PG-13. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably clean enough for most families to attend especially if they've seen the other star wars movies it's no worse than any of yeah, anything abs- else absolutely mm-hmm. other than that i can't think of anything i could say about it that won't spoil something how about well, you it's, I, I like the uh the way that they maintain the strong storytelling of the um of episodes four five and six in episode seven mm-hmm. um I, I think I I want to think of episodes one, two, and three as sort of abandoning that. Yeah, but they really they really seem to make these uh, this one much more character centric and um, it and felt more true to what what you think exactly. of when you think Star Wars. Precisely. Yeah, and I think that with with one, two, and three, I think they got so excited about having the ability to do such you know massive epic special effects that the special effects took over the movie and you didn't really it, it kind of lost that i don't know it's almost kind of like the feel when you got when we watched firefly did you were you a firefly fan oh i'm a brown coat through and through yeah um that that kind of nitty-gritty frontier feel that they accomplished with that mm-hmm. and i think that that was what was in the original star wars that episodes one two and three lost yeah 
Yeah, it seems a little campy when you watch it now, but mm-hmm. back in, what was it, 77, 78, mm-hmm. when we first saw it in theaters, it was... Uh, it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Death they, Star blowing up. They, wow. They invented a whole type of of special effects for the original Star Wars and yeah. that was not seen in science fiction prior to that. And Did, they invented the the whole um the miniature miniaturization mm-hmm. thing with the with the camera flying over and everything mm-hmm. too, didn't they? Yes, yes, that was all invented by Industrial Light and Magic for the original Star Wars movie. So n- nobody prior to seven, 1977 had ever seen a sci-fi that felt so real. And it and now, I mean, like you said, nowadays you watch it and it feels campy because we're so used to the computer graphic animation that just puts you inside in a 3D environment. But there's some I think there's some disadvantages to that that animation, then it starts to begin to feel too clean and crisp. Mm-hmm. Avatar was that way for mm-hmm. me a little bit. Yeah. It, it Everything, all the lines were so sharp and, it you know, in HD and everything. Um, it sort of lost a little bit of its sense of reality for me because of that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, this movie, to me, it it had that more of that special effects feeling of the original Star Wars where it was still clean and, and modern in the way they put it together, but it it really shot you back into the world of the of episodes four, five, and six. Yeah, definitely more of a spiritual successor. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and a literal one. And a literal a spiritual one too. successor. Yes. And to, anybody uh, anybody who's seen the previews, so I don't think this is a spoiler, knows that they reintroduce some of the characters from the original Star Wars. They come back um, in this movie. And I noticed that in my theater, every time one of them showed up on screen, everybody applauded. (laughs) It it actually got a little annoying. It's like, okay, guys, you don't need to applaud them when they come on screen. Did you see it with the 501st Stormtrooper Legion or something? (laughs) I don't know. It was just crazy. It was like, and of course it started right off the bat with Harrison Ford walking in and as Han Solo. And it was just yeah. like, everybody went crazy, whistles and, and applause. And I'm like, okay. And that's even a scene that was in the, uh, uh-huh. all the previews. Yeah. Yeah. Chewie, it, we're home. <laughs> so yeah, it, it was just uh, amazing that people were so into seeing their beloved characters from the original Star Wars trilogy. Um, back on the screen, even though they're a great deal older. <laughs> you can say that again. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and move away from spoilers, and we'll just tell everybody. I would assume most people who are listening to this episode have probably already seen the movie because they'll be scared to death of spoilers if they haven't seen the movie and they won't even listen to our yeah. episode. So, and every day that passes, it's getting harder yeah. and harder to yeah. avoid them. So we'll just say um, from here on out, you. Guard your ears, because we are going to spoil it. (laughs) Now, talking about what I liked about the original feel is, did you notice that that this movie was basically Star Wars A New Hope recap, redone? It is basically the same plot and story of... Very similar. Yes, episode four. Um, You had the the father figure that got killed. You had the, the young purposeless person that needed to be pulled out of their, you know, life that is going nowhere and um, put on an adventure. And it, and it all had, it started on a desert planet with a droid going missing. And <laughs> it was just like, and yeah, it was, it was basic. The plans are put into the droid. Yeah, exactly. At the beginning. And, and when they realize they're going to get captured and the droid goes running off and the droid gets, yeah, it's the whole thing. It's like I I was kept thinking, okay, so now this is going to happen, and sure enough, then it would happen, and then it's like, yeah, it's basically Star Wars recap. But tell me truthfully, did you think of that while you were watching it, or is that something that came to you afterwards? No, I thought of it while we were watching it. Okay, that, yeah. that's not something that occurred to me until afterwards because I was I was pretty engrossed with the imagery and you know all that. No, it, it was like it was. It, I was tracking it through the whole thing. I was just like, "Oh, we're on a desert planet. Oh, the droid went missing. Oh, the- <laughs> where's the second moon? Yeah, <laughs> or the second sun? Yeah." Um, and the other thing that really struck me funny 
was the the whole the, the bigger Death Star or whatever they called it in this movie um, that it sucked the sun dry is like it's it yeah. sucked all the energy. Had you seen that that story that was going around like in the last week or two about the there was this I guess town meeting down in North Carolina about putting in a solar farm and I couldn't tell oh, whether yes. it was tongue in cheek and or whether it was a real story. Well, it. It, it's uh, fairly local to us here, uh-huh. and it appeared in our local paper, written by one of our local uh, reporters. Uh-huh. And there was no indication in the article whatsoever that any of it was tongue in cheek. And I don't, I don't know if it was a reprint of the same article, but uh, one of them was supposed to be a retired science teacher. Yeah, and they were they were Expressed afraid that it was going to suck the sun dry of all of its energy. That it, we would it, it was going to steal the chlorophyll producing sunlight from the rest of, from the plants in the area. Oh, well, the one I read said that they were worried that it was going to um, suck all of the power out of the sun or something like that. Oh my! <laughs> so when I was watching the movie, it was so funny because my friend <laughs> that I went to see the movie with. We had actually been laughing about that article like the week before, like Monday before, or something like that. And so when it when they made that comment that it was good, that that you got got its power by sucking all the power out of the sun, I was like, "Oh, fancy that! It sucks all the energy out, all the power out of the sun." And she started giggling because she knew exactly it's, what it's I was. It's a nice, easy way to tell when it's ready to fire. When <laughs> sun the sun goes, goes away, the thing's ready to fire. <laughs> Because every sun has the exact same amount of energy in it. Yeah. <laughs> that was a little bit over the top, that part. But other than that, I thought it was really good. Uh, you know, I, I didn't really mind the over the top stuff. It, the stuff like, you know, it, it, a lot of it was a repeat of the of A New Hope. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole idea of the, uh, of the sun and the thermal uh, oscillator, um, it all felt... At home in the Star Wars mm-hmm. universe. Yeah, and that there just had to be that one thing that if you could blow it up, the whole thing would stop working. <laughs> it's sort of like they they it, a, a nod to the mm-hmm. to a new hope. Right. At least they made it bigger where it couldn't just be blown up with one well placed photon torpedo. Yeah. It actually took quite a bit of blowing you know, up. A bag full of explosives and two starships. Right. Yeah, it did take a take quite a bit to blow this one up. Of course, it was what was it like a hundred times bigger or something like that. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. a little bit larger. That's no moon. That's oh yeah, it's a planet. Yeah, it was a whole planet. I mean, it even had trees and water and and everything on the surface of it. It wasn't mm-hmm. uh, which I at, at first when they first fired the weapon, it it kind of like threw me off. It's like they look like they're outside, but yet. I don't understand yeah. what's going on here. And yeah. there's that scene of the big uh, uh, first order rally, mm-hmm. right? And they're right on top of the weapon when they do that. Yeah, it yeah. was actually up until that scene that I thought they had built the entire thing. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I'm thinking, if they didn't build it, then what did they do? And there's a line later on where they talk about. Um, hollowing out the planet and building it in the the planetary mm-hmm. core though you would think that when they fired the weapon it would it would put this massive hole in the atmosphere every time they fired it uh, see there's that logic again <laughs> i know i'm not supposed to apply logic am I? suspend your disbelief <laughs> sorry <laughs> I know it sounds like I didn't like the movie. I love the movie. I want oh, to go yeah. see it again. And it's it's one of those things where you, I I just sometimes pick movies to death when I shouldn't. But um, well, yeah, it's important to remember this is a space opera. It's not hard science fiction. Right, exactly. They don't go in here and explain <laughs> how the lightsaber is built <laughs> or how it works. Yeah, yeah, because it it looks like it it's hard. When they meet and like swords, they meet, yep. and, but yet it it's just pure light and yeah. Actually, I I liked that in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's two lightsabers that make an appearance, uh, Kylo Ren's and uh, actually Luke's. Uh, Luke yeah, Skywalker's. Luke's original or yeah. act, actually Vader's original uh, lightsaber. Because remember, Luke got it from Vader. No, Luke got it from Obi Wan. No, he lost that one. On Cloud City, when Vader cut off his hand. Oh. But then why and was the it next, blue? Because it, Vader's was always red. 
I don't know. Holy mackerel. <laughs> they said in the movie, what was the, the bug-eyed lady's name? Roz? Oh. Roz? Roz, yeah. She said in the movie that it was uh, Luke's and his father's before him. Yeah. Huh. Maybe he re- Oh, so maybe maybe it was his father's before he became Vader then. Yeah, it could have been cuz I think he got the lightsaber from Obi-Wan. I don't remember. I have to go back and watch the original 4, 5 and 6 again cuz it's been years since I've sat down and yeah. watched them. I should have watched them again prior to going to see the movie, but I just didn't have time. <laughs> so, let's dig into this movie a little more. I um uh, I think we already mentioned there was a classic opening, uh, it, mm-hmm. and uh, with the the screen crawl and the um, setting the story. Um, basically, they set the story saying that that Luke Skywalker is missing, and the whole premise of this movie is them trying to get a hold of a map that will tell them where Luke Skywalker is, and which I think in in the original in Episode Four it was the plans to the Death Star that they were hiding in. Yep, it was. Um, and so in this one, it's it's everybody wants to find Luke Skywalker. He's been missing for a while, which just an aside, how much do you think that Mark Hamill got paid for that scene? <laughs> you mean for the five minutes he was actually <laughs> in the, the film? Yes. <laughs> and it wasn't even a speaking role. <laughs> I was going to say he did two scenes because he was in the vision that Ray had, but you don't see his face. Yeah. So it could have been a different actor. Um, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure he, it's all in his contract and, you know, he's going to be in the other movies. Yeah. If the first movie was, uh, new hope parallel, then the second movie is going to be, uh, empire strikes back parallel, which means there's going to be a lot of training between Ray and Luke, and they're going to be the main characters of the second film. Um, I sort of hope they don't stick with that level of parallelism. Uh, I I want it. I want to see them go original, but still stay true to the uh, flavor of of the whole series. But then I wanted that with episodes one, two, and three, and I didn't get it. <laughs> yeah, one, two, and three. I I think we can just safely throw those out. I mean, <sighs> I, I I don't know. I was so disappointed after seeing Phantom Menace that it's it's affected my ability to get excited about this movie. Because I was so excited when Phantom Menace came out and I I watched the teaser trailers and the trailers. I mean, they built that thing for a year and before the movie ever came out. I got I got midnight premiere tickets and I stood in line for two hours and all that (laughs) nonsense. And I was so disappointed. Yeah. And it just when when they said that they were coming out with the next three movies, I was just like, oh, really? You know, like. Do I really? But then somebody told me, well, you do realize that J.J. Abrams is is the director on that one. And I'm like, oh, he is. Yeah, I got to say. <laughs> and that's when I he, got excited. He, he does a good job on the stuff that he does. Mm-hmm. I, I Unlike uh, some of the people that uh, that I associate with, I, I enjoyed his remake of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. I I love it. I think it's almost as good, if not better, than some of the other Star Trek movies. Mm-hmm. Um, well, definitely better than some of them. Yeah, yeah. Of course, that's not a terribly high bar. No, it isn't. But yeah, I think that he did. I I think he's he played it safe with this movie. It's based, like we said, it's basically a recap of Episode Four with different characters. But yeah. I think that in a way, it's kind of like that history repeats itself, kind of of cycle. Yeah. And and uh, and I think that that's important to the story of the Jedi. And I mean, even if you include one, two and three, when you talk about it, you see that cycle where, the, you know, the apprentice goes bad and and all of that, because we created Darth Vader in, in one, two and three. And now uh, we've skipped how uh, Kylo Ren became the bad guy. But yep. we're seeing that whole cycle once again. Yeah, you actually. uh go in not go into this movie but about about halfway through the movie you're you do find yourself wondering how exactly he was seduced over to the dark side yes because he was Cause, he, he was luke's apprentice right and but he was uh he was clearly contacted somehow uh and he interfaced with um lord snow supreme leader yeah supreme leader snoke yeah 
which is just a fun name to say, Snoke, Snoke, Snoke. Snoke. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And we don't and we get the feeling like that he's not he's not as secure in his dark side as like Darth Vader was in episode four. Um, he's he's this young kid, really, who hasn't he, he's crossed over, but he's still. Um, I think fighting the light, you even see a scene where he's, he's apologizing because he's letting the light creep in. Yeah. He, he says, I feel it again, the pull to the light. Mm -hmm. He's actively resisting. Right. The, uh, the, the pull to the light side of the force, um, which brings to mind for me, the, uh, the whole internet meme of whether or not the Jedi are actually the good guys or the bad guys. Have you ever heard that? Mm Mm-mm. Um, it's a entire discussion about, uh, how the Jedis present their philosophy and how the Sith present theirs and how the Jedis are only considered the good guys because of how the movies present them. Mm-hmm. If you look at them from the other side, they could easily be, uh, projected or presented as the bad guys of the Star Wars universe. Hmm. And it falls back to that, the old st- saying when it comes to storytelling that the villain is always a hero of his own story yeah i guess it it kind of depends like how you would view like the the freedom government issue because in in the star wars movies the dark side is always the totalitarian uh regime that is taking freedom and uh you know free thought out of mm-hmm. out of society and I don't know of any free thinking person who thinks that's right. Yeah. Um, that, that, that there's good in that, but well, I mean, obviously there were people that supported it when it happened in Germany and, and the Soviet union. So I think if you boil it down to its, uh, barest essentials, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's the old argument of order versus chaos. Mm-hmm. Where yeah, which they even said that. Did you notice that in the in the big uh, the speech before they fire the weapon? The, 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 no, um, I, I don't recall. Uh, I don't remember who was talking. It wasn't... It was General... Uh, what's General his name? General Hux. Yeah. yeah. General Hux was speaking, and he, and he started out by saying that the New Republic is disorder. He, bas- he, he didn't say it in so many words, but... Um, I, I basically boiled his whole speech down to new, new Republic equals disorder. Cause that was what he was saying. And he, he was saying we are going to bring order back cause they're the new order. That's the, they're not the empire anymore. It's the new order is the name mm-hmm. of them. So they're, they're going to bring new order to a, to what the rebellion has done in just in turning the perfect, beautiful empire into disorder and yeah, chaos. And- it, I can see how a lot of people, it, when you boil it down to just that and mm-hmm. take away <clears throat> the actions of the individuals, mm-hmm. uh, including the actions of the Sith, uh, I could see how some people would back order and some people would back chaos. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you put it as freedom and restriction, then it's something entirely mm-hmm. different. Right. And they they couldn't have been more obvious. I mean, that whole scene felt very Nazi. <laughs> yeah, I mean, think? with the the red and the black and the and all, it, it just felt. I mean, it, it was so obvious that you, you could almost have been watching Hitler. It was even more so than those scenes in four, five, and six, mm-hmm. which had the whole Nazi vibe. And at least now we're far enough away from World War Two that uh, it didn't produce any triggers right yeah well with some generations it would still but yeah i i i when i saw that i thought nazi i mean if you'd Mm -hmm. been playing word association with me all you'd have to do is show me a still from that scene and i would go nazi yep um yeah that's definitely what they were aiming for (laughs) when they set up that set that was um that that was the whole thing you were supposed to draw is this this um very totalitarian uh, system and somebody was telling me is like with the force it's like white or dark and it's like not necessarily because in the star wars movies even the original ones and so much and it carries through into this one is that the the dark side of the force or the new republic is always in blacks and whites so they're all the the stark um harsh neutrals 
and yeah. then all of the um the rebellion and the the new republic are always in earth tones with some red and so it's it's that's where the color differentiation is it isn't black versus white because you have like Darth, the Darths, the, um, in this one, it's Kylo Ren, but Darth Vader in the originals. Um, uh, and then the stormtroopers are all white. So you have the black and the white, um, that represent, um, all of that one side. So mm-hmm. you can't say that the force is the, the good is black and, or the good is white and the bad is black because yeah, no, uh, no colored cowboy hats in this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and uh, but they, it's very strong. You'll notice that all of the New Republic is is very Earth tones. In fact, the character, one of the characters we want to talk about is Finn, or FN, whatever his number was. Yeah. Um, you you oh, see, I think I wrote that down. Actually. <laughs> Did you write that down? He's just FN two one eight seven. If <laughs> um, he um, he starts out as a stormtrooper, and it's very funny because when he takes off his helmet, he's black. So you have the white contrasted with the black. Mm-hmm. And the very first thing that he does after he helps um, Poe get away um, is he, he sheds all of his stormtrooper armor and he puts on Poe's jacket, which is... The the uh, Rebellion. Yeah, and it's earth tone, tones. So oh, he, yeah. he trades the white and the black for brown. And so there's that very, that whole color differentiation going on right away. And so you see it right off the bat with Finn as, as he, he turns, he turncoats. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a pretty clear costuming uh, set decision mm-hmm. um, and true to the original movies too. Yes, so definitely. Um, so what do we think about Finn? Cause you said you wanted to talk to him, talk about him a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's. I uh, I thought it was interesting how uh, Finn's story is sort of a redemption arc, mm-hmm. except the the turn of his his turn to um, his effectual calling, so to speak, away from the evil that the stormtroopers are, actually happens off screen before you get to uh, the film. And it's only the calm, uh, culmination where they are all ordered to shoot the civilians and uh, Stormtrooper FN2187 um, doesn't pull the trigger. Well, you know, I, it, it happened on screen because he was the one um, it, it, before that happened in the same scene. But before that happened, he was the one that had had chased down Poe with his colleague and Poe shot his colleague mm-hmm. and, and he stopped to check on the stormtrooper that fell. Right. And, and that, and that seemed to be the moment where he woke up because it was like the, the, his, his um, colleague um, fellow trooper uh, reached up with a bloody hand and, and ran his hand down the front of his visor. And that's how you could tell if it was him from then on because he had this red streak right. on the front of his visor. Uh, I specifically thought, oh, they just marked him for the viewer so that we yeah, could we identify what... him through the rest of the scene. <laughs> right. Um, and he um, – but you saw him change. I mean, he's like – because all the other stormtroopers were not paying attention to, you know, people who fell in battle. They were just moving on. But he stopped to check on his buddy, which none of the others ever did. And it was like at that moment, it was kind of like he woke up, like, what is going on? Where am I? And he looked really confused after that. Like it, there like had, something. There had to be more before that, though. There may have been, but they showed that in the scene that, that uh, it was kind of like he snapped, snapped out of it in the middle of the battle. And, uh, and that was why when when they ordered him to shoot the civilians, he couldn't do it because he it was like he was disoriented and it was almost like that, that blood had some kind of trigger. Like you never see blood in, in all of the scenes where you see fighting with stormtroopers, you never see blood. Yeah. And that was extremely significant that he got marked with blood in that scene. I think. I think it is too. Uh, yeah. And maybe, it, maybe it actually comes back to that color thing again. Mm hmm. It uh, mars the perfect whiteness of uh, of the stormtrooper, yeah, uh, uniform, outfit, right. armor, whatever you want to call it. It makes him stand out as an individual instead of just one of a mob. 
and gives him a tone other than the harsh neutrals. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, and it, it's interesting because when you find out later when he's when he helps Poe escape that he didn't even have a name that from childhood, it sounds like he was stolen as a child. Yep. And from childhood, all he had was an ID number. And that was he didn't have a name. And so Poe had to grant him a name. And that was, you know, that whole I think it was designed to make you feel uncomfortable with the whole concept of that totalitarian control Mm -hmm. that people cease to be individuals and become a cog in in the workings of the machine that have no identity. Yeah. Having been in the army, (laughs) I can attest to that. Yeah. Um, I, I, I did want to say that I, I liked his story arc. Um, uh, I wish they had gotten more to him and I, I sincerely hope that, uh, they give that character more screen time in the next two movies. I really feel like he will, that he'll be, um, he's going to be one of the main characters yeah. and I think that they'll continue to kill off the old characters. Um, as since we're not worrying about spoilers, obviously Han Solo <laughs> dies in this one. Um, I think that, um, there will be a, a point probably where Luke Skywalker is, is, um, compromised in some way because it's it raised probably as his apprentice is going to become dependent on him and for her to move on, she will have to lose her mentor as well. Mm-hmm. So I think that they're, they're going to, going to knock off the older characters rather quickly. Um, simply because I don't know how long that, how long they're planning to take to film these, but when you have actors that are that old, you never know whether they're going <laughs> to stick around. So I do have to admit that it, it, uh, seeing Harrison Ford on the film, I was a little worried he was going to fall and break a hip. <laughs> yeah. It's like he's doing all these action scenes. It's like, be careful. <laughs> Watch it. It's a step. <laughs> And I and of course he's older than Mark Hamill is, but I don't know that he's much older than he is. Uh, yeah, because he was in his thirties when they made the original. And Mark Hamill, I don't, I don't think he was older than like twenty two or twenty three. Yeah. yeah. So ten years. Yeah, it made a big difference back then. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, when you're talking seventy five and sixty five, yeah. Or actually, he's 80, isn't he? He's up there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he he still takes a lot of action roles. It really surprises me. But then again, um, there's several older actors that still take a lot of action roles. So that's what they're known for. And that's what they do. But anyway, so yeah, Han Solo gets killed um, very dramatically. And it's kind of like the the death of the father figure for Ray. Yeah. So it's it's actually said in the movie that he's like a father figure. So, you, so she has to witness his his uh, death um, on, in the hands of his own son, which is, I think, significant. I, I felt like the uh, that scene was a little too contrived. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, maybe not contrived. It's just that Han Solo, you know, he's the crafty smuggler. And yes, he's he he's dealing with that. Yeah, he, he literally let. I mean, he let it happen. Yeah, and didn't give any indication uh, that he saw it coming or anything. Exactly. Well, Which, I I think that holds true to the type of father that he would be. Because if if this was just any old bad guy, he would never have given that person the opportunity. But you remember in the, in the previous discussion that he was having with Leia about their son, that it was Leia who was saying we've lost him. And it was Han saying, no, there's still some light in him. I know that there's still some light. Yeah, in him. that's true. And so I think that that was, that was a father really thinking that he could talk sense into his son. And, and yes, he left himself open for that attack, but it was because he thought he was making headway. In, in in talking sense into Kylo Ren. And uh, I, 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 I think that's what they, I certainly think that's what they were driving for. I just didn't get that. I think it fits his character. I think it fits the character of, of the fact that it's his, 
father son there. Yeah. If it had been any other relationship, Han wouldn't have walked into it. But I think it was because it was his son. He was giving his son the benefit of the doubt. And, and he may even have seen it coming, but he was willing. He, he thought that, that, uh, and even that last gesture he made where he reached up and, and touched, um, his face. Ben's face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that that was just kind of like, you know, acceptance of, I tried and did my best. I did my best. Yeah. And, and then there could have been, you know, that, that whole, he'd promised Princess Leia, he would bring him their son back and perhaps he'd come to the realization that he wasn't going to be able to. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's a, and I thought that was interesting that in that discussion with between Han and Leia, Luke or Leia makes the comment that Luke is a Jedi, but you're his father talking to Han, um, that Luke wasn't able to properly influence Kylo Ren, but he was just a Jedi. He wasn't a fan. He wasn't family though. He, cause he was an uncle, but I think, I, I think they're going to make, uh, Luke, um, not a social, but awkward. <laughs> uh, you know, sort of like Yoda was, uh, yeah. and not just from living in, uh, in solitude, but, uh, uh, from having to deal with such a broader picture and a wider well, he was, view. He was trying to bring the force back. He was the first of the new Jedi and his first attempt to teach it. He loses his apprentice to the dark side. Can you imagine what kind of a blow that would be? Not only his apprentice, but his nephew, his nephew. Yeah. Um, and so you can understand why he's put himself in exile. He feels like he's failed the force. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and and I'm sure they're going to explore that more in the in the coming movies because he's going to have to take Ray as an apprentice because Ray obviously has the force on her in her and we saw that. I predict that there's going to be some prophecy uh, where he knew he had to get away and not be found, get away and hide. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's somehow there's going to be a supernatural element. Um, I don't know, maybe the midichlorians whisper it in his ear. <laughs> yeah, which I, I will say right here, because we're we're supposed to be talking about this from a Christian worldview. Um, it, it's really hard talking about Star Wars uh, and trying to bring Christian philosophy in it because it is very new agey. Um, it's very, you know, like the God is everywhere. It's in everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyone who originally thought that the original Star Wars had something, uh, you know, analogous to something Christian in it, um, that should have been completely blown out. That whole <laughs> philosophy should have been blown to smithereens when they saw um, Phantom Menace, episode one. Um, because I think George Lucas made a point of saying, uh, uh-uh, no. I was not going there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I just want to say up front that there is nothing Christian in this movie. And if you're looking for something Christian in this movie, um, you are going completely contrary to what George Lucas intended with the story. Yeah, it's you can draw parallels, certainly, but you can draw yeah. parallels between in, with any good story. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it, it's just it, it, it's not like um uh, Lord of the Rings, where <laughs> you know you could make a a reasonable argument for intentional uh, right parallels, Inten- intentional parallels, and and we know for those movies that there were intentional or the story original the original story yeah of the Lord of the Rings that there were intentional parallels, but S- still deniers so yeah. Well, all you have to do is look at the life of the author and who he hung out with when he was writing those books. So. They- Inklings, right? Yeah. They were called the Inklings. Yeah, and he was really, 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 really good friends with C.S. Lewis. Oh, I've heard that name somewhere. Yeah. Something like the Chronicles of Narnia or something like that. Anyway, we're completely off topic. (laughs) Um, These movies, the story of Star Wars is anti-Christian, if it's anything. And to try and draw Christian parallels, like I said, you can draw discussion points out and make make um con, you know conclusions and stuff but we're not in any way saying that there's anything in this movie that was intentionally christian or yeah, parallel the, to christian this was much more hippie 
uh, well, it's the original it, four, five, and six were much more hippie, uh, fuel to flow type thing. Mm-hmm. And I, it was funny. One of my my friends on Facebook that I that I kind of follow from a philosophical point of view because he's he's really good at at pinpointing uh, Christian heresy and that kind of stuff. He he likened it to the Hindu religion. He says if you if you study Hinduism, mm-hmm. you'll see that a lot in the Star Wars philosophies. So. Um, that God is in everything and pe- pe- different people, different class structures have different amounts of it. Oh, that's God. interesting. I so, never thought of that. Yeah. So it, it's, um, it would be something to study uh, just so that, you know, you have your heads on straight when you're watching Star Wars. I don't think that that means that Christians can't watch the movies and enjoy them, but right. just, just have your head screwed on straight and put your biblical glasses on and, and be willing to look at it from a Christian worldview and, be willing to go, well, no, this is not a Christian philosophy and we should not follow it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> don't put Jedi on your census form, please. Yes. <laughs> Jedi is not a religion. It's a fiction. Right. Right. And the the force doesn't really exist. So you, the force cannot be strong in you. Now, I won't say that every time I go through an automatic door, I don't pretend to open it with the force. <laughs> because i do and more than once i said these are not the droids you're looking for it's never worked for me though oh i you know there's a new line in this movie that's going to take the place of that one. Oh, which one are you thinking of uh you will remove these restraints oh, and yeah. leave the cell with the door open and now see <laughs> that was uh that was something that i actually made a note of in uh while i was watching was how did she – the whole Jedi idea had just gone from mythology to reality when she met Han Solo. hmm So where did she come up with the idea that she could do a Jedi mind trick? I think it was because she resisted Kylo Ren when he was trying to get into her mind. I think that that's what awakened the idea that she had some strength in the Force. Because it obviously shook him. Um, not being able to compel her and hurt her enough to get the information out of her. Because he, he did it right away with Poe. Yeah. I mean, he, he got what he needed from Poe right off the bat. And he couldn't get it from Ray. He and tried really hard. Poe was an honest-to-goodness war hero. Right. And and I think that, that that was like it lit the light bulb in her head. Oh, wait a minute. I'm strong in the Force because I can resist him. And I can... F- I can force him back. She actually got something out of his head. Did you catch that? That when yeah. he was, he, she, she plucked something out of his head when he was trying to pluck something out of hers. She reversed it. She reversed it. Yeah. So I think that that was the, like the aha moment for her. And so she decided to try it on the stormtrooper. and it took several tries <laughs> before it worked. <laughs> now I, I didn't think of this until just now, but there's a lot of discussion about who Ray is. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, family line wise, because she seems to be an orphan. We have no information about where she came from. Right. She's she's convinced for the first half of the movie that she can't even leave Jakku, uh, the desert planet, or at least mm-hmm. the desert area where she's from on this planet, because her family will come back to her. She's she's sure of it. And it, it may just be the certainty of a uh, of a small child who was left behind or what have you. Mm-hmm. But uh, <clears throat> there's a lot of discussion that uh, that Ben and Ray are either siblings or cousins. And I personally am hoping that she's neither mm-hmm. because I want to see from a story side, I want to see the four start infecting other family lines. <laughs> well, you know that that were I mean, because – in the episode ones, two, and three, and really in episode four, five, and six with with um, uh, Yoda, that we have even other aliens that have the Force. So well, yeah. why would it be just hum- the human characters that have the Force? Why is it just the Skywalker line? Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm hoping is that she really is no I one special. Feel like. She's going to be somebody's sister or yeah. somebody's daughter and I, or 
cousin or something. So that would be consistent with the the, the thematic story, sco- storytelling that they do. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like Luke and Leia turning out to be brother and sister. I mean, it's it's and they kiss you. <laughs> You know, I'm with you on that, but at the same time, I, I have a feeling that's where they're going. So don't get upset about it when it happens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I won't lose any sleep. Yeah. And, um, and that. But oh, that... what I was going to say is if they were siblings or uh, close relations, I would think that would have come out when she and uh, Kylo Ren did the, the mind meld. Not, not if they didn't know each other. Because it took, it took some really some pressing for Luke to find out that Leia was his sister, and so I think it. But didn't didn't after Yoda tells him, didn't he say, "I think I I think I always knew." I think that was Leia who said that. Oh, uh, that might be. Yeah, when Luke when Luke told Leia that 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 they were brother and sister, I think that she's like, you know, I think I already knew that. <laughs> That's why that kiss felt so weird. Yeah. But like I said, I'm gonna have to watch those movies again because I've lost some of the subtlety of it. It's been years since I've really sat down and watched them. I have them on DVD. You'd think I would watch them, but I haven't. <laughs> the other thing that I wanted to talk about was um, just the subject of truth. Um, there were mm. several lines in this movie that really stood out to me. I wrote them down um, originally when when uh, Finn and Ray run into Han Solo. Um, he's the one that breaks it to him that the force isn't just a myth. Um, and he says um, something to the order. I, I was really hard taking notes because they would rattle their lines off so fast. I'm like, I'm <laughs> three lines behind. Can you slow down? Um, but it was rewinding. <laughs> um, he said something about the force being magical. You, you've always and he was kind of said it in a mocking way. You've probably heard that the force is some kind of magical power holding together light and dark and. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then he says, it's true. The force, the Jedi, it's true, all true. So that was one of the first um, kind of references to truth uh, in mm-hmm. the movie. And then it was it, actually Han Solo had most of these lines. Um, he told Finn, he figured out Finn was keeping a secret. And <laughs> and he said, he, he walked by Finn and he's like, women always figure out the truth, always. So basically warning Finn, don't don't keep trying to come up with, you know, cute lies. You're going to have to tell her the truth eventually. Yeah. Um, and then um, and then uh, Roz, when she was talking to Ray, referring back to what we were just talking about, about Ray's wanting to get back to Jakku. Um, uh, Roz tells her, you already know the truth that whoever you're waiting for in Jakku is not coming back. Um kind of just that reference to the truth of the matter. Um, I wrote down all of those and they're really kind of unassociated, but it seemed to me that there was a lot of characters talking about what's true and truth in this movie. And it just kind of brought me back to, you know, we, we discuss as Christians, we have this feeling, well, not feeling it's scriptural that Jesus is the truth, that this, the word of God is the truth. And I just, wrote jotted down a couple verses one is um from the the psalm of wisdom the psalm 119 and verse 160 is the sum of your word is truth and every one of your righteous rules endures forever and then in the new testament john 14 6 jesus said to him i am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me um so just that the world has its truth and we talk about true and false and and knowing something is true and all of that but our as christians our ultimate standard for truth is is god's word yeah and it, you know for um for finn realizing that truth uh realizing the importance of that truth might have been a component to his uh his conversion mm-hmm. Um, I I sort of wish they had well you know uh, wish they had put more into uh, into his story, but he wasn't he wasn't the star of this. One. No, he's not the main. He's a supporting character. He's kind of like um, well, he's kind of like a Chewbacca. He's like you yeah. never really know much about Chewbacca. He's just there, and oh, 
there's uh, the scene where the the medic is is comforting Chewbacca. Do you remember that uh-huh. one? Yes, yes. I'm sure you're very brave. <laughs> I got a I got a big kick out of that because <laughs> he's just a big baby when he gets hurt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Chewbacca was an, a character that they could easily pull in and keep going because he's a costumed character. So you're not relying on an actor to play him um a specific yeah. actor it has been the same actor mm-hmm. so far it's been peter mayhew in every film so f- in every film he's appeared in right yeah but it's it's a character they don't have to worry about trying to kill off because somebody else could theoretically be in that suit and play him yeah, yeah. uh yeah especially when you're an actor who goes crashing planes into golf courses yeah and the c-3po and r2d2 all of those are ones that they can keep going um and though i thought it's r2d2 had about as much of a role in this movie as as uh, luke skywalker did yeah he woke up i sort of expected him to yawn (laughs) maybe he did (laughs) i've never been able to to read those beeps and lo and behold, he has the missing pieces. Of, of course, actually, of the map. He had the whole picture except for the missing piece. <laughs> How did he know to wake up? I mean, what was the trick? I don't know that. That was not really said. That's a, once again where we can't apply too much logic to the movie. <laughs> but it, it was a situation where, because even the bad guys had the whole big picture, it was something they said they they saved from the empire's records or something like that they just needed that piece of the map too yeah overall though i i did enjoy it even though uh had so many things in common Mm. um i felt like it was a redo of a new hope but fixed yeah i don't even think it was and it didn't even fix stuff that i thought was broken it just made it i don't even know that it necessarily fixed a new hope i think it was just a retelling of of showing how the the cycle returns but um mm-hmm. but yeah i think it had it definitely had elements to be honest it did have some elements of phantom menace in it now that i think back there there were some some scenes like the the market scene where they're running from the stormtroopers and all that there are elements of that 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 felt like it was out of phantom menace but uh, at the same time i think that that was just it was just like pulling all of it together. It's like it encapsulated Star Wars. It was Star Wars. It took us back to that original feeling of what Star that epic. It just it it yeah space, space opera. opera. Yeah, it just it repackaged Star Wars for a new generation. And it even if it is the basically the same story, it the fact that it was the same story helped those oldies coming into it. But because it's such a special story, it it's going to just, I think, and reinvigorate a new generation into yeah. Star Wars. Absolutely. It, it uses a formula that works well, and it works well for exactly. a reason. Or I should say indoctrinates yeah. a new generation into Star Wars. <laughs> because as, as we've already said, beware, these are philosophies that are not, that are, if anything, anti-Christian. But um, yeah, I th- yeah I th- you, you got to remember it's, it's. It is fiction. fiction, but it's also a philosophy and that you need to be aware of. And I, it's easy to just say, well, it's just fiction. But most of the time um, when people there, – there's an underlying philosophy that drives what they do. And I think Star Wars is driven by an anti-Christian yeah. philosophy. I did want to point out for folks who have been to Disney okay, that there are a number of really funny uh, or – uh, good nods and uh, nudge, nudge, wink, winks to uh, Disney park elements uh, for the Star Wars stuff. Okay. Including the scene where um, the Millennium Falcon crash lands in the snow is taken almost frame for frame from a Disney ride where you take a shuttle down to the surface and crash land in the snow okay. and almost go over the edge. <laughs> it, it's just an example of their marketing. Yeah. Well, I'd heard there were quite a few Easter eggs in the movie. I wasn't paying attention or looking for them when I watched. Um, I, I had just heard somebody near me mention it before the movie started when, when I was in the theater. They says, oh, and there's like lots of Easter eggs in here. And I'm like, keep your mouth shut because I don't want to hear about it. 
<laughs> I would like to know, now that I've seen it, I'd like to know what ones I missed. Yeah. Yeah, there's probably quite a few. Yeah, but, there's, but there's the, always a lot that I miss. But the thing is, is with Easter eggs, is you have to have the proper, um, I guess, the proper exposure to what is being Easter egged. Yeah. <laughs> in order to see it, so if you're if you haven't had the proper exposure, you might miss that kind of stuff. Easter eggs can be fun. Yes, they can. There's actually quite a bit of humor in this movie. I, I think they sprinkled it in very well without having an obnoxious character. some of the lines i wrote down that were funny um in in uh when uh, finn is rescuing poe they're walking through the uh warehouse i mean the hangar i guess and finn has got you know the gun on poe he's pretending like he's transporting the the prisoner and he's saying stay calm just stay calm stay calm (laughs) And Poe says, I am calm. And Finn says, I'm talking to myself. <laughs> they had Which, some good lines. Yeah, they had some good lines together. There, there was a line in the same scene. Uh, uh, Poe asks Finn, why are you doing this? And Finn says, because it's the right thing to do. <laughs> and Poe goes, you need a pilot. And Finn says, yeah, I need a pilot. <laughs> um, and... Then the uh, the whole classic line, escape now, hug later. That was one of the last ones I wrote down. I felt I that always, was take it. I, I could have sworn that was in one of the other movies. Yeah. But they always do it. It's like there's like insert romance here. <laughs> but they actually said it in this movie. It's like escape now, hug later. So, yeah, there's some lighthearted stuff in this movie and it, without it going over the top to being obnoxious. And I like that it was spread out among the characters so you didn't feel like there was just one obnoxious character. And Yeah. It's, I liked all the nods that Han Solo got to the old film, like uh, when they were interrogating the um, the stainless steel trooper. Um, uh, can we put her in a garbage chute? Yeah. <laughs> Is is there a con- is there a compactor we can we can put her there? Yeah, that was great. <laughs> and of course, I've got a bad feeling about this. Yeah, yeah, I he always has bad down. feelings. He always has bad feelings. That's just a turns classic. out he was right. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, well, that's all I've got. Um, just want to remind everybody that to check out our show notes. And those show notes for this episode will be areyoujustwatching.com slash 54. And I I do want to uh, urge you to comment and tell us what you thought about the movie, either on the show notes or on our posting on Facebook. I'm hoping I've, we, we've actually got a couple feedbacks fairly recently. Um, one was on our episode for The War Room. And then we got another comment on the show notes for an episode that... The 33... Well, that Daniel did on uh, um, Jack the Giant Slayer or whatever. That, I actually haven't seen that movie, so I was kind of responded hmm. generically to the comment. But if we get a few more of those kind of comments, it might be worthwhile to do a, a small, a short feedback episode to kind of deal with some of the, the concepts that were brought up and, and talk a, about yeah, them in depth. that'd be great. But to make it, you know, fill the time, we probably need a few more discussions ongoing. So we would love some, some more feedback and comments um, really like to hear what people thought of Star Wars, uh, whether they thought it it really held up to um, the previous movies and not counting one, two and three. Uh, <laughs> just pretend they didn't happen. Yeah, we'll just pretend one, two and three didn't. It's happen. like Highlander two, three and four. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, please do comment on the show notes. You can also call us at nine zero three two three one two 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 one and leave a voicemail or email us at feedback at are you just watching.com and audio files are welcome um you can subscribe rate and review us on itunes actually we'd really really like some reviews on itunes our reviews on itunes are really really old <laughs> so if you listen to us through itunes um you're subscribed to us through itunes if you could just click on over and and give us a rating and a review that would help us out so much yes um and uh, we're both on Twitter. Uh, I'm at um, Twitter at Eve Franklin. I'm at Twitter at Renchiple, which is R-E-N-C-H-E-P-L-E. Oh. 
And so you can find us in all those places. And then once again, uh, do consider supporting this podcast on Patreon. We are trying to do this without advertisements. Don't want to bug everybody by interrupting the flow of conversation with advertisements, but that requires listener support. And uh, go to our show notes for the link. Mm-hmm. It is at patreon.com. Are you just watching if you just want to look for us there? And I believe that is all I have. Any hey. last parting comments from you, Tim? I am very irritated. Oh. Yes. That we're going to have to wait 18 months or more for the next film. <laughs> yes, they do like to make us wait. <laughs> well, no! You know that, Put me in a coma. Well, you, there were three years between the original three the original three movies. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was 77, 80, and 83, I believe, were when the the first three came out. <laughs> well, so, I guess I'll wait. Yeah, so 18 months really isn't that bad. We're just an <laughs> impatient culture. <laughs> well, thanks, thank you, everybody, for listening. Love to hear what, what you have to say. And if we missed any good Christian um, thoughts on this I, we were kind of doing this one off the fly s- squeezing it in between work and vacation going into Christmas and and we hope that you will um, have a very Merry Christmas though this episode will probably uh, be posted after Christmas judging by our schedules um, we hope that you had a very blessed Christmas and that you will have a wonderful new year and that you will join us and continue to subscribe and listen to us in 2016 absolutely Thanks for listening. And don't just watch. Are You Just Watching is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. Our opening vocal talent was thanks to Mariah. The theme song is used courtesy of Answers in Genesis. For more great podcasts like this one, visit the Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. That's noodle.mx. That's noodle.mx.